What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of your favorite wrestling podcast. That's right. It's Ringside Rewind. And as always, you've got the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, I am, of course, Chris Jardine, a.k.a. Snaggle J. And as always, along for the ride, my man with the hot tag, Mr. Chris Doyle. What's going on, buddy? Um, I'm not Kane, am I? We can hash that out later. Yeah, if we're the Brothers of Destruction, like Kane, let's just say that uh, Kane has put out some tweets lately that I'm not necessarily, I can't co-sign. Yes. So that'd be a little so, weird. I have to say, because I'm going to assume by this point, as we're recording this, now we're going to get right off on a tangent here early before we get into the show, but um, I assume you've watched the Undertaker biography episode that aired this past weekend? I have. So, like, even though, like, obviously, like, you know, we're not ignorant people. We understand how TV works. How poorly has that already aged? <laughs> I'm yeah. no, like like really though like you know like again listen I'm a big fan of the AEW biography series obviously if you look a- at the, A&E. A&E, not sorry. A not A not AEW you know I've made that mistake several times um, when talking to people about it but here's the thing right if you look at the credits at the end of the show two of the three executive producers are Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn. So WWE obviously gets the final say on everything that goes in it. But when you look at the, you know, father-like, you know, situation between Vince and Undertaker, uh, the, the prominent role that, that Glenn Jacobs plays, you know, as, as, as Kane and, and being part of one of the Undertaker's better storylines, man, that stuff has aged like gross baloney. Left oh, out did. in the hot sun um, with the stuff that's come out and has happened in the last couple of weeks. It's been craziness to see what has happened. And as mentioned in the rebound this weekend, Netflix has pulled their Vince McMahon biography off the table. It's not going to, it's almost <laughs> done apparently. And it's Rightfully not going to be. so, though. I mean, oh, 100%. Like, because. WWE had an edit on that. They were executive producers on that as well, along with Bill Simmons of The Ringer. And I can't... Can you imagine that coming out, say, in a month? Because these stories aren't done. The Wall Street Journal had three bylines on there, including two Pulitzer Prize winners and their entertainment reporter, which... I didn't know that the Wall Street Journal had an entertainment reporter, but they do apparently. And so there was three pe- three bylines on that story. They're right. not done yet. And it would not surprise me if in, say, a month or so, or within this next month, that we're going to get an interview with somebody who was released in 2005 who cash to pay or cash to check in 2018 yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff going on there i mean i don't want to go down this this the the giant rabbit hole of all of this stuff but you know what i think it's like obviously like the netflix thing's not a surprise netflix really isn't in a position to afford bad pr right now um considering the state that they find their platform in uh you know with with uh, hemorrhaging money and hemorrhaging users 
um, you know, as people start to return back to real life uh, post pandemic. So not really surprising there. Um, but you know what? I, I, it's just interesting to see, right. To look at these things that were filmed, you know, many months ago and, and uh, the, the wonderful light it paints Vince McMahon in, and then the, the news of stuff coming out now, you know, how friendly and down to earth it paints Glenn Jacobs and the shit that comes out of his mouth. Um, just abhorrent stuff. You know, and it's just one of those things where it's like, man, you know, uh, entertainment doesn't always mirror reality. Uh, and nothing will be more true than when they try to fill two hours on a damn Bill Goldberg uh, episode next week. Yeah. Um, shoot, that's me, gonna... shoot me, shoot uh, me. Uh, watch? Yeah, I'll, I'll watch them. I watched all of the ones from the first season. Um, and I came away very impressed. I know we've talked about this probably before, but... I came away very impressed with the first season with the exception of the very negative light they painted Randy Savage in. Um, I wasn't really a fan of the hit job they took out on him there. Um, I'm excited for this season. The Undertaker one, again, for, you know, the, the, the stuff that you laugh at now uh, is, again, very well done. Uh, and I wanted to ask you as well, did you have a chance to watch their new show, uh, Rivals? I did. I watched it. Uh, future Wrestling Federation owner Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, hosting that. Uh, when I first saw it, I was a little bit more excited about it because I thought it was going to be more of a roundtable talk. Yeah, um, that was a weird dynamic because they came in and, you know, and, and I mean, if you haven't watched it yet, like, you know, feel free to skip ahead a minute or two. But, um, you know, they, they they kick it off and you're at this table with Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, you've got Kofi and Tamina Snuka and JBL and Kevin Nash. And they literally like had like four lines the whole episode. I think Nash maybe had said two sentences. Yeah. Which like, is a shame. Was, I don't know if it was just like maybe they thought that that table round table was going to play a bigger role. And um it got edited out, but like, that was really weird because like, why do you have a round table when they did a little bit at the beginning, a little bit in the middle and barely anything at the end, it was relatively pointless um, um, in the, the episode. Yeah. 100%. One thing I did like about it is it did not completely focus on Montreal. It really started yeah. from the beginning and worked its way up and it, did, it definitely included some stuff with Montreal and that, but it didn't, like sit on it, which I kind of enjoyed getting more of a full picture of yeah, the entire situation. I do. Again, I like that it was the the two things that when people discuss Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels that always get way too much of the focus, and anybody who's ever done a podcast on the situation is guilty of this as well. It focuses way too much on two aspects of it. Obviously, the screw job being one. And the second one is Brett's contractual situation where he basically, you know, he signs this quote unquote lifetime contract. And then a year later, you know, Vince is trying to get out of it. Um, and both of those were obviously, again, you have to cover the screw job, but Brett's contractual situation uh, was barely mentioned. They, they didn't even mention the fact that, you know, that he had renegotiated with Vince once. Uh, and got this lifetime contract of a million dollars a year. Um, they really just went to the fact that, you know, oh, Brett is leaving for WCW. And I was like, good. Like, cause I don't really think that's relevant to the story of Brett and Sean. Um, I worry with that series 
that and I get you know with obviously with Austin Rock being an episode, um, you know, maybe I'm it's unfounded, but I worry that they fired their best bullet in the first episode because we have, if I remember correctly, it's Edge Cena, and then there is I forget who else was on that because they they were all on the graphic. I remember thinking the Edge Cena one was going to be good. Um, And I mean, everything you say about WWE, their production stuff is second to none. Um, Because they are a content, as we said many times, they're a content company. So their content is great. I don't watch much of the weekly product anymore, but you can bet that I watch their other content, like uh, Table for Three or... Um, things like that, like the rivalry stuff. The biggest thing I wish that they bring back, and I've said this before, is the uh, roundtable uh, that they used to have. Like they would, t- obviously, they would need different people now, but to have that was hosted by Mean Gene and Joey Styles and, and had Dusty and Michael Hayes and where they would take a subject and talk, just talk about it for an hour, like... You know, what were the worst, a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast, you know, the the story Dusty tells of what happened with the Shockmaster, like every time I see it brings me to tears because I laugh so hard at it. Yeah. Um, Just to circle back for a second, based on the promotional graphics for Rivals, um, obviously Hart uh, Michaels, Cena Edge, uh, Undertaker Kane, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, and Austin uh, Rock are the five confirmed, based on the graphical material, that are Myst- those are the five confirmed episodes we've gotten so far. I think Mysterio Guerrero will probably be good because that's the one that hasn't been covered to death. Mm. Um, I'm going to assume... It will probably focus a lot around who's in has custody of Dominic, that ladder yeah. match at a SummerSlam. Uh, it will probably lead into Eddie's passing and Ray's run yeah. with the Royal Rumble to win and, the and win World got, Heavyweight Championship. They've got some pretty big episodes lined up for biography as well. Again, they let off with Undertaker. Um, then next week they've confirmed it's going to be Goldberg also featured in promotional materials. Um, uh, DX, uh, only Michael's and uh, triple H pictured in the DX picture, by the way, the Bella twins, Lex Luger, Ray Mysterio, edge and Kurt Angle. Let's see if this Lex Luger one actually makes air because remember last year they were doing the icons and that totally disappeared. It disappeared. Like they did, I think the Beth Phoenix episode, the Yokosuna episode, there might've been one more. And then, Oh, because the bulldog one, no, the only one that didn't come out was the Luger one. It just disappeared. It never happened. Yeah. And uh, so we'll see if this biography one, and this may be a reusing of a lot of that. Well, Um, Speaking of reusing things, this week's episode is something a little different. We've decided it's summertime. We're going to mail it in a little bit. Um, and we're not going to cover a uh, historical wrestling event today. 
or a current wrestling event. This week, we are diving into a top five list. We thought, what better place to start? And again, I'm going to get to the reuse part. Because something that, when you capture this perfectly, um, you want to reuse it, you want to use it as many, and that is having the perfect entrance theme music. So this week, we're going to be covering our top five themes now, before we get into it, I, I'm I, like obviously I know your, I don't know your order, but I know your five based on you sending me the clips before. You don't know any of mine. We no. only we only have one in common. Um, so I guess my question to you is, what what criteria did you use, um, to 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 try to pick top five? Because we really didn't discuss criteria we just said top five themes so like i'm curious kind of how you applied that to make a list um i the way i did it and because music is different to everybody music is a very personal thing to me a good theme song in wrestling is one with lyrics it's an actual song it's something you can think that you might hear on the radio now there are some exceptions to that Rick Flair's would be one, uh, you know, and Daniel Bryan when he was in WWE using Flight of the Valkyries and, and things right. like that. But the ones I enjoy the most are ones that bring emotion and have lyrics and can, as soon as you hear it, as soon as you hear the first note, you know who's coming out. And that's a very recognizable thing. When I worked some of independence around where I live, um, part of one of my jobs was getting together the theme music for all the people that were going to be on that show. And one of my biggest, what's the word I'm looking for? One of my biggest things with that was everybody wanted 90s, heart, 90s rock. Right. Like I've never heard so much Limp Biscuit uh, or you know, offspring or things like that. To right. the point that when I put together a before show uh intermission mix, I used nothing like that and used current music and caught some flack for it. And I'm like, Do you think these families and kids are listening to the best of Limp Biscuit on their way to the show? I mean, they should be, but probably not. No, like, so a little bit, uh, like, my theme when I picked mine, when I had to choose one, I used a hip-hop beat and a song that actually, after I chose it, ended up on impact. Mm. So I use something like that because everybody, you want to be different. Everybody is using a rock theme. Make yourself different and use a hip hop or a pop theme uh, because it's all about getting that notice, being different, and getting people to show that emotion. Yeah, I think for me, <clears throat> I consider someone's theme to be an extension of their character. And, you know, for. 99.9% .9 of the performers out there, 
when their music hits, it is the first note notice to the crowd that that person is coming out. And, you know, there are 15 to 20 themes all time that elicit a certain level of reaction. And like I said, for me, you know, you'll see people who have had multiple themes over the course of their career. Fans usually gravitate towards one. Um, You know, you have people who had roughly the same, obviously, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, WWE tried to rebrand and rehash and remix every theme they had. Um, But for the, for the more recognizable um, upper tier superstars and performers, the, the the base of it remained largely the same. So for me, I look at it more from it being an extension of the character, it being representative of what that character is. And, you know, when that first note or two of a theme hits and people go absolutely berserk in the crowd, that to me means that the theme fits the performer And that, like, you know, like, obviously, like, I could sit here and say, you know, the Ultimate Warrior, for example, one of the most basic themes you could ever imagine, but was, you know, unmistakable when it hit. Um, Obviously, not not on either of our lists, but as a great example, you know, uh, when, when Hogan was getting the mania beatdown at the hands of Papa Shango and um, you know Big Sid and the Warriors music hits and he runs down the 500 foot long walkway people knew just from like just from the theme that something was happening that's what makes a theme in my opinion great so I'm really glad that we kind of have different um, different sort of takes on this because mm-hmm. I obviously it leads to us having different lists um, now I do have a few honorable mentions that made my short list, but did not make my top five. I have three of them. Before we get there, can I just, there's one thing I do want to say when it comes to WWE music, there are three very separate eras of WWE music. One is Jim Johnson who created everything basically from the beginning of the national expansion all the way up till 2017 when he his contract expired and he wasn't back. Uh, then you got into the CFO dollar sign version, which a lot of the NXT people had and their as their themes came up. And then once a CFO left, there's been uh, another group of people that have been doing the... Uh, theme musics uh, to myself Jim Johnson has a lot of the classics but for me CFO has the greatest run of recognizable themes that you could make here on the radio now the one thing that they did do is they would make songs three minutes long but it would be three one-minute uh, yeah. duplicates. So they would do it. So it's a minute to get to the ring. You should only hear it once, maybe one and a half times. And then it 
spools into the same thing again. But right. you had so you had songs like uh, Chris Heroes or Cassius Ono's. Uh, that was great. Like anything in NXT around that time was just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think you've had these interesting eras of music, um, you know, again, from a lot of the more basic stuff back in the, the earlier days, but still it was basic, but with an impact. It, I, f- I still felt so many things, um, you know, fit the character and, 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 you know, it's just like these different eras, you know, when, when companies sort of turn over, um, you know, their, their kind of their music departments, They've all been able to put a very interesting kind of stamp on um, on the music that they produce. And it usually uh, it, yeah. works out for the better. Uh, AEW's music guy is a guy named, I think it's Mikey Ruckus. Yeah. And he just throws them out one right after November. And, I mean, I they they sound great. And they're, AEW's doing digital albums now, too. Uh, do you remember when WWE had genre albums? Oh, yes. Uh, like WWF Aggression? Uh-huh. Uh, that had Snoop Dogg, ODB, Method Man, Cool Keith. You would only hear the song once, maybe on TV. Uh, and then uh, there was Reckless Intent that had Motorhead, the 3-6 Mafia, POD and Kill Switch Engage was there as well. Yeah, so pretty, you yeah. have some, yeah, you have some, uh, not your top five. These are, I'm a, I've become a big fan of the Dan Lebertard show and the podcast, and they do a lot of top fives. So these would be what you would call outside looking in. Yes, exactly. These are, okay. these are the good, but not just not good enough. Um, and I have three of them. Okay. And and all three of them pretty iconic uh, themes. First up, I mean, I don't think you could make it through a themes episode and not talk about Shawn Michaels' sexy boy theme. Um, I mean, it still lives on as viral TikTok sounds. Um, again, you know what? Obviously a little out of place now, you know, <laughs> when he makes appearances and stuff. But again, you, you look at, you know, the, the character of Shawn Michaels and breaking out of the rockers and, and going in on this, you know, this, this kind of bad boy heart. I mean, it fit him perfectly. Um, you know, just, just again, one of those themes that it didn't change. Uh, you know, there, obviously there was a couple versions of it. There was the, uh, the Sherry, Martell version and then there was the Shawn Michaels version uh, but largely unchanged uh, from when he's really kind of settled into using the the Shawn Michaels version Um, just really representative of him as a character Um, along the same vein uh, the D-Generation X theme again um, just one of those themes that when you hear it now if you were a fan of wrestling in the 90s you know, you're immediately thinking of, of crotch chopping and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, just a great uh, theme uh, all around there. Again, saw some different versions, um, but obviously the the OG was just, it was phenomenal. And last but not least, and I hate mentioning him because I hate him so much, but 
you really can't deny how iconic Hulk Hogan's real American theme is. For a again, the first WWE theme entrance music that was used on television was Real American by Hulk Hogan or you know accompanying Hulk Hogan out to the ring. So again, um it's one of those things where you know obviously again Hogan's kind of a bad word now but really hard to argue with how iconic the real american theme was um I, I, i'm one of the closet people that i actually really liked his wcw theme american made as well um but again nothing holds a candle to uh, real american so those are my sort of uh outside looking in honorable mentions okay and I, listen I, I can't argue with any of them i do have a little piece of trivia for you though American made or sorry now uh the the WWE one real american yeah real american was created for the wrestling album but not for Hulk Hogan and he was not the first one to use it it was created for Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham as the USA Express and when they left Hogan got took the theme yeah yeah. So it, but uh, listen, that's a great outside lo looking in list. Uh, I know before the show, I said I didn't have an outside looking in, uh, but I've had a couple come to my mind since we've been sitting here talking. So I'm going to put them out there. Uh, my outside looking in, uh, my first one is The Brood. Ooh, yes. Which doesn't really, doesn't really fit my lyrics part, but it's like even when we heard it, this past Royal Rumble, when Gangrel came out, uh, and when Edge came out as well, uh, it was like it was still you kind of bounce on it a little bit, and it's got that great bass line, yep. that great Jim Johnson bass line. Um, my second one is a controversial one, and it's Chris Benoit's Our Lady Peace song. Mm. Um, good theme, good Canadian band. At the time, enjoyed it. We'll move on now, and we can start our actual top five list. I'll give you the opportunity to start with your number five. Oh, baby, I get, I get to go first. So, uh, you know what? I've, I've actually been making some tweaks um, to my list as we go on. So, number five for me is actually a theme that I wish they would have got more run out of. It was a theme that was developed specifically for a faction. And again, you know, when you have some of these factions that come and go, you know, they get great themes and they move on. Uh, the, the, the group that performed it uh, was no stranger to um, doing uh, a theme for WWE. My number five is the evolution theme line in the sand by motorhead. Um, listen, again, right. Sometimes you get like, not saying evolution didn't have a long run as a faction because, you know, they did and they were off again on again. But, you know, if, I, if you would have had this theme tied to a performer and gotten a long time out of it, you know, I think it would have, it would have gone down as one of the all time greats. I love it. Um, again, if the, the lyrics fit the group and the idea um, of evolution perfectly. 
obviously there was the relationship there between Lemmy and Triple H. Um, you know, and so he sort of went back to the well there. Uh, just a great theme. I love it. Uh, one of my favorite faction themes of all time. So, yeah, number five on my list is uh, the evolution theme. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I do I do enjoy it. It's on my playlist as well. Uh, I have no idea what the lyrics are because they're classic Lemmy. Uh, but, uh, no, that's definitely a good kickoff and a good number five on your list. Yep. Well, you're up. Yeah. Uh, number five on my list is Christian's WWE theme, Just Close Your Eyes, performed by two different bands at different times, one The Story of the Year and one Waterproof Blonde. I love this song. Once again, it's on my playlist uh, that, I, that I use for walking around or listening to. It just has that pop at the first Sounds like something that you would hear on pop radio and is just very energetic and at the time kind of fit what Christian does. His themes in Impact and now AEW with the more Evanescence uh, theme to it um, sounds great. But I think the version of this done by Story of the Year, which was the one he used in WWE last uh, is very, very good. I, listen, I have to say, I don't dislike this theme, but it is not the Christian at last year on your own theme. No. Um, which I thoroughly enjoyed with the, the streaming, um, uh, little sparklers that would come down, um, as, as he was doing it. So again, I, I not a bad theme. I like it. I think it's a good start. Uh, it's it it is a it is a good theme. I think it's one of those things where, uh, again, you know, Christian's had one. He's one of those performers that he has been fortunate enough to have two or three really good themes. Um, he just gets stuck with good music. Um, yeah, so good one there for sure. Uh, and you can, let's stick with you and let's uh, jump to your number four. Just close your eyes. 
All right, my number four is somebody who is very annoying, but his music is absolute classic and should never change. It's I Came to Play for the Miz. Mm. It again, it's one again, one of those ones when you hear it, you know exactly who it is. The visual I have is it playing as he pushes that awesome balloon out of the way for the main event of WrestleMania. It sounds amazing. It gives you a good pump and you know who is, you know, who's coming out as soon as you hear it. It's done by down straight, which has done a lot of themes for wrestlers uh, over the years. I really, really enjoy what I hear from it. And either when he comes out as a, baby face or a heel it still fits in yeah it's a good one i definitely think you have a you have a good theme that fits the character um regardless of whether the miz is playing the heel or whether he's almost halfway towards being a baby face at certain given times uh i think it fits again another another great choice not one i picked but that doesn't make it any worse of a suggestion or a inclusion on a list Awesome! I came to I play. Came to play. There's a price to pay. Time for you to get down on your knees. I, I came pray. to you say goodbye to the good old days. They're never coming back. Watch if you I came to I came to play. You get my toothpaste. I guess you had a dream, but it can't be saved. to the uh you mentioned earlier uh some of the great nxt themes that's where i'm going here because my number four is bobby rude's glorious domination theme again if you go back and watch some of bobby rude's entrances in nxt with the glorious theme and the choir and the crowd and coming down from the automated pedestal and the robe and first of all, it makes you sad that they've absolutely pissed away Bobby Roode as a performer. But it makes you realize how much that theme was a part of his character and a, just a key cog in his presentation. Um, you had three or four takeovers in a row with absolutely banger entrances with the glorious theme again the theme itself very repetitive not super duper original in terms of song content but be that as it may 
Um, it fit the character to a T. Um, again, you can you can go, still go back. Those those entrances hold up um, as some of the best NXT entrances we've seen. Um, so that's where I went with my number four is Bobby Roode's glorious domination. You as soon as you said that in my head, I thought, oh, there's one I forgot. But mm-hmm. in my for my outside looking in because it just and that's one of the thing when we're doing these shows and we're going over our list, you mentioned something, and I'm gonna go. Oh, yeah, but what about, and the reason I thought of that is, do you know who Glorious Domination was written for first? No. Shinsuke Nakamura. Hmm. That was supposed to be his would not have Would not have worked. No. So he, so that was supposed to be his. He turned it down, and in a happy accident, it went to Bobby Roode, which leads me to my outside, another outside looking in I'm adding afterwards, which is... Shinsuke Nakamura's theme. Yes. That, but not. I'm going to use a specific one. It was, I believe, at SummerSlam or at his WWE debut where they had the The person with the viol or with the violin. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that was was the best one. That uh, 100% followed closely by the version with uh the lady who come out with the guitar with the uh, electric guitar one time for yeah. it as well but yeah not not well, not not any of the you're not going to go right to the rick boogs nakamura entrances because i mean those are pretty banger listen boogs can, he can actually play that thing and it does sound good but nowhere near i'm a no no I'm a, you're right i'm a sucker for yeah. electric violin i was almost about to show my atlantic canadian and call it a fiddle but oh my geez <laughs> all right moving on We're going to go to my number three. Now, this one for me, there's two particular instances of this theme um, being used in two different promotions for the same guy. But both of them are like top 20 memorable moments. Um, And that is uh, Cult of Personality uh, as employed by CM Punk. The first time we heard this, was after he left Money in the Bank as the heavyweight champion. You know, they had, um, you know, the, the whole introducing a new title, uh, which was won by, you know, um, <laughs> they hauled the report rug out on Ray. Uh, Ray won the title and then, of course, had to give John Cena a rematch because Cena was the one who lost at Money in the Bank to Punk. Um, and then, you know, cult of personality hits. Nobody knows what's happening. 
It gets a good 30, 35, 40 seconds into the song, and Punk emerges um, with the new shirt and uh, new music and sporting the WWE Heavyweight Championship. It was awesome because, I mean, you know, you're still in an era then, eight years ago, where it was still easy to ignore the dirt sheets and the Twitter machine and all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time like on Twitter and stuff back then. So like, I had no idea what was happening with CM Punk. I just thought he was gone. Obviously the second instance of this was his AEW return. Um, you know, we all knew it was happening. Everybody in the whole world knew that CM Punk was coming back on that episode of Rampage. And to start that episode, I mean, like I still, I've probably watched that video 600 times. Yeah. And I will still watch it every now and then. Cult of Personality has been a staple of every music playlist I have for years and years. And everybody knew he was coming back. And then at the beginning of it, you have those two little static sounds. And then it hits into the guitar riff and everybody like, man, everybody just comes unglued. And again, right. It's because the theme is such an iconic part now of his presentation. And the fact that they were able to secure that and punk actually talked about that. Um, I can't remember. It might've been on the sessions with Renee or something that he did after. Um, and he mentioned that the guys from living color called him and said, Hey, somebody's trying to license the song. Um, you know, we just wanted to check and see like, what's up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. Like, yeah, they said, I remember that interview. He said, uh, when they called him, they said, if it's for you, they can have it. If it's for anybody else, they can't. Yeah, exactly. So he kind of had to let them in. So it's one of those things where, again, it's just such a good theme. It's a great song. Um, Like that, in and of itself, it's a great song to begin with. But yeah, so for me, right, it's just, it's it's an iconic piece of his presentation. It's awesome. So my number three is Cult of Personality uh, for CM Punk. We'll get into CM Punk a little bit later on. Okie dokie. For me. 
But we're going to go with my number three. And this is the one, and I'm going to go a little behind the scenes here a little bit. This is the one that you messaged me about earlier today. <laughs> this goes back to my childhood. To this day, if I'm just generally like maybe cleaning the kitchen or sweeping the floor or something, this is the one that comes into my head and I may just end up singing along. And ladies and gentlemen, it is my number three favorite theme from WWF. It is the Big Boss Man theme. I love it more than I should. It's an absolute terrible song. But it is a great theme. Back in the day when WWF had everybody's theme kind of matching to their character. And it's like the pile driver CD or, or tape or album, I guess, at the time. And, you know, Coco Beware was going around with Pile Driver and Honky Tonk Man had his song and everybody had their song that that kind of dealt with them. And this was my favorite of that era and is still one of my favorites to this day. If you ever make a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia, you better obey the signs and protect the law and order. I think I have some hard times. I think if I made a list of my top 100 themes, the Big Boss Man's theme probably wouldn't even get consideration. But that's the great part about lists is yeah, like you're going to play subjective to the person that you know that is listening to it. You're going to play it, and I'm going to dance and sing along well, when you play. I, I can't wait. Well, well, we'll get we'll, we'll well we'll get there. Uh, and now listen, we're, we're, we're getting the nitty gritty, Chris. What do you got at number two? If you ever take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia, you better read the signs, respect the law and order, use of hard times. You'll be serving hard times. You know the big boss man will make you walk the line. You better watch out for you'll be serving hard times. This is an amazing pro wrestling song. It is one that completely matches the character, should never be touched when he's coming down in a walker in 35 years to make a appearance and RKO someone. When Randy Orton hits the stage, we should only be hearing voices. Mm. This is the quintessential portion of song to athlete yeah fits him 100 percent. it's a great song you know this is one of those cfo ones i think that survived the purge and just fits him 
completely, and he's off right now. You know when Riddle's getting beat down in the ring so, at some point and voices hits, the roof is going to come off that place. Yeah. So my number two is Randy Orton's voices. And if you get a chance, listen to it with headphones or earbuds because you'll hear it actually bounces back and forth. Something you can't notice when you're playing it out in the air. Right. If it freaks you out. And I'm gonna, uh, one story I will tell you is that when I was in the hospital, I had earbuds with me and I would listen to music or something. And at the time, I was on a lot of painkillers. And the song came on in on my earbuds, just on my shuffle list. And when it starts bouncing back and forth and there's little voices in the mix that you can hear in the earbuds, uh, you you kind of freak out a little. Yeah, I can imagine. But uh, yeah, great, great choice. Great song. Solid number two. I can't say uh, I can't say I hate it, Uh, but it's not my number two. I have voices in my head. They count for me. They understand. They talk to me. My number two, we spent some time talking about him earlier in the show. Uh, My number two is, this is kind of cheating, but my number two is any theme that has ever been employed by The Undertaker. Now, Now, specifically, right, you know, the traditional Undertaker theme is kind of what I'm getting at. Um, The very Oregon-heavy um theme that you know that he debuted with and that has seen several versions you know over the years um i don't even hate the american badass theme to be completely honest but that's not really why it's on the list again you have this theme that there is probably not a theme that has ever been created in wrestling that fits the character better than the undertaker's theme um you know when when you get to the version like there's very few performers where one note of their theme sends people into absolute pandemonium. When the Undertaker's gong hits, boom, that's exactly what happens. And it's, you know, even back in his original, and, and again, you know, coming fresh off the biography, but if you go back and you watch his debut at that Survivor Series when, when Ted DiBiase introduces him as the mystery partner, and that, you know, in, in, in the original version of The Undertaker, it was a really raw, 
high pitched organ sound. And again, it just fit his persona. You know, six foot eight, six foot nine, 320 pounds, dressed in black, you know, very pale skin, hat down over his face. Paul Bear with the urn eventually, you know, after they, they get rid of Brother Love. Like the theme just always fit The Undertaker. Even when he had the Attitude Era theme, you know, that was very different and got away from the, the organ based and went into the more rock version, it still fit him very well for at the time because at that point, you know, The Undertaker was less like he had evolved right you know he had evolved more into this kind of faction leader so you know he needed a fresh start and then he did the american badass thing and then we come back to the dead man and you know he's had that theme back now for you know close to 20 years but again you hear the gong and then you you hear the the music it's just it's so fitting of who the Undertaker was as a character. There was no mistaking it for anybody else's theme. Uh, back in the earlier days of the Undertaker's mystique, it sent chills up your frigging spine and made your hairs stand on end. Um, so my number two is uh, the Undertaker's uh, original theme, I guess is the best way to call it. Yeah, the, like the the original original, the one he comes out at a Survivor Series is an actual funeral dirge. Like yeah. it's like just if as somebody who has sat through a lot of Roman Catholic funerals, I'm very familiar with that song. Yeah. And but you hear it, and it just brings up so many feelings and the the goosebumps. And you know, they told the story. Mick Foley told the story on the biography mm -hmm. of. Every time it would hit, Paul Bearer would pull up the sleeve and you could see the goosebumps and the hairs rise. Like, to this day, like, Undertaker or Mark Calloway should be nowhere near a wrestling ring at this point. Yeah. But the next time he comes out for an appearance, that gong's going to go off and everybody's going to forget that he is Mark Calloway and he's going to be the Undertaker again. Yeah. Never um, say never. Does, <laughs> in your opinion, as this being your number two, if we didn't have American Badass and Roland in there, would Undertaker have moved up a spot on yours? No. I don't think, I, I don't think he would have gone higher than two uh in some logic that i will get into here momentarily i don't think he would have i don't think a, a lifetime of the oregon theme would have moved it any higher
What is, uh, maybe we'll get into this in your number one. Let's do your number one. We'll do your number one. And then, because I do have a question about um, licensed themes, talking about Roland or American Badass yeah. or something. Okay. okay. So my number one is sort of in the same vein as number two. For me, when I started making my list, um, and I started with about 16 or 17 themes and started whittling it down. There was one I kept coming back to of how simplistic it was. But again, just the unmistakable tying to the character. My number one is Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme. Super basic. But again, much like the Undertaker's gong, when the glass breaks, it doesn't matter what happens after that. The th- yes, the theme is so basic. Um, you know, it, it's very looped. Um, you know, but as that theme, especially in like the the height of the of the late '90s and early 2000s, you know. When, when when Steve is doing his bit and going corner to corner to corner to corner to, you know, acknowledge the crowd and, and that real basic theme is playing in the background, it just fits. It's the theme in that case, again, right? You have the unmistakable glass break. Everybody knows what that means. Um, to this day, you hear the glass break. I mean, you just have to look back at WrestleMania and, and, and see, you know, it's one of the most unforgettable associated sounds in wrestling history but the theme very much portrayed the character no bs um came out to the ring knowing he had a job to do and that job was to to kick ass and very basic theme again not super exciting not sexy not lyrically excellent um you know not anything that's going to ever win a grammy but again, in terms of character portrayal, there are very, very few themes that match the character better than the themes used by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I know, I already know what people are going to say. How can you say that when we've made it 51 minutes into this episode and no one's mentioned The Rock? It's apples and oranges. Because, you know, again, Steve Austin's theme was just an extension of him. And, you know, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the ones we didn't pick. But it, I just don't get that same attachment with, with The Rock. The Rock's theme is based on one of his catchphrases. And without that, it's just a eh, whatever. So anyway, for me... um. My favorite theme is is Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme. I know it seems like the safe, boring pick, but that's kind of how I roll. No, listen, I can't argue with it. And it, because it, once again, it comes back to how it makes you feel. And yep. even when Austin changed that theme to the Disturbed theme during the invasion, it still had that same baseline like that you had in the original. And it really does, when you hear it, when the glass breaks, it's somebody's ass, mm-hmm. and you just can't get you can't get anything better than that, except for my number one. Hey, 
which is, as we talked about earlier, this is the only one that we have put on both of our lists. Mine's a little higher because my number one is Cult of Personality by CM Punk. And it is totally for the same reasons we talked about when you did it. Specifically, the return in WWE for the summer of punk. And I remember watching that show. I was actually at that time when I was working, I was, I worked from home for a couple of days because there was something going on in the office and I had raw on, on the TV and hadn't had a chance to check anything yet. So I didn't know what had happened. So I just had raw going on the DVR and you know, saw the Ray thing, and then we got into Cena, and Cena winning, and then this song hitting, and my first thought was, well, that's called a personality. No, because I've known that song. And then I thought, well, Punk used that in uh, ROH for a while. Is it Punk back? And then the graphics hit, and uh, Punk comes out from the back, and just that feeling of, oh, my God. And then we get to the last dance in Chicago at the United Center for the first, Rampage. The first dance. The first dance. Oh, sorry. The first dance. The, la- yes. the last dance was the uh, was the Michael Chicago Jordan. Bulls. Yes. Same, same arena. Yeah. So, fair enough. Yeah. So, the first dance uh, in Chicago for Rampage and... I'm the same way. Uh, it probably there's not like three weeks it goes by. I don't turn that on YouTube and just watch. I'm probably going to do it when we we're done recording because it's just what an absolute. Well, because feeling. we both, because we both have it on our list, maybe for one, I will use the theme and for the other, I will actually play the clip of it being used when CM Punk debuted in AEW. Okay. That will work. As a special little treat to everybody out there who uh, who's listening. Just absolutely amazing things kind of, you know, jumped up out of the uh, jumped out, out of the crowd and just an absolute. I've never heard a building pop like that. Like, like, I don't know if we'll ever do this list, but the biggest my biggest crowd response is the first dance at the United Center when CM Punk comes out. And a big part of that was cult personality. Hundred percent, I agree. Um, couple of great lists. Uh, now you said you had. Uh, you want to talk about licensed themes? A licensed theme. Does it matter to you if a theme like is licensed? Like we have, Orange Cassidy now has Jane, and uh, like Punk with 
cult of personality. Does it make a difference to you if a wrestler goes to another level if they get a licensed theme? No. Again, I think the th- as long as the theme fits the character, I don't care if they've got a uh, mariachi band from the local Olive Garden uh, recording it. Um, to me, I, I, I'm not really worried about where the theme comes from. I'm more concerned about does the theme fit the character. Um, great example is you know how long they tried to have Sasha Banks as a heel with that very face-driven music she's always had. It doesn't work. Same thing that they're doing with Becky Lynch, <laughs> right? Her theme, one of again, Becky Lynch, one of the better. Um, performers and characters that they've had on TV in a number of years, her theme does not fit her persona anymore. No. Um, you know, you, and it's a detachment for me because when you hear that theme, you always think of steampunk Becky Mm -hmm. coming out with, with, with the steam and the smoke machine and the goggles. And like, you're not getting that now. Like it doesn't work. So I think it doesn't matter if the theme is a licensed tune. Um, you know, I, I will say um, that, you know, AEW has shown a bit more aggressiveness in trying to pursue um, licensed music for their performers. You know, I think Tony Khan understands what that can do for a character, especially when it's already associated with them. Um, you know, uh, um, obviously with Punk, right? Um, you know, they were able to, I mean, you know, we've kind of talked about the Hardy Boys theme, but they were able to... Um, you know, you get the iconic Hardy Boys theme, which I believe, as you've mentioned a few times, is is public domain. Uh, yeah, well, not public domain, but it's 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 production music. Like it was part right. of when I worked in radio, it was part of the production music that we had. Yeah, I could have put it in the back of any commercial I'd wanted to. Right. So I think what it comes down to is if. Like, again, I, I don't think it matters if it's licensed. I think you look at, and a great example is some of the guys that have debuted in AEW, um, you know, where they've been WWE guys, you know, uh, Danielson, Cesaro, um, uh, Adam Cole. They've gotten really cool themes that are still true to the characters that they brought with them. Yeah. And, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't matter if it's licensed or not, uh, as long as it fits the character. One more question, and then we can wrap this up. If there's one wrestler whose theme music you can change, who would it be? Well, I think I already mentioned Becky um, yeah. as probably probably the top of the pile, I think. Um, but to, to, to keep it original... Um, I really think Brock Lesnar is 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 due for a new theme. Ooh. I I think he's had the same theme 
ever since he came in. And I really think with this new character that he's had for the last while, I think it would be served by a a, a, a little refresh to the theme music. He'll never get it. Um, but yeah, like I think realistically looking at people who are on TV every week and who really, really, really need uh theme rehash, uh, Becky Lynch, uh, is head and shoulders, uh, above everybody else, uh, on that one. Brock Lesnar is a guy who should get a licensed theme and it should be, and I'm going to show my heavy metal ignorance here, but who does the song kill them all? Metallica. Is that a Metallica song? Oh my God! You know what I just thought of? Neither one of us mentioned Enter Sandman. We did a theme show without talking about Sandman. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but again, so here's my thing. So let's let's, uh, and I know you know we don't want to drag it out for too long, but let's let's think about that because I think the reason why that doesn't resonate for me in terms of sandman is i feel like his entrances and his presentation would be just as good with another song obviously it's sandman it's enter sandman i get the the reference and the play on words but i also don't feel like he needed that i feel like you could have put a generic rock song in there and everybody in that environment would still have gone absolutely berserk for Sandman. Um, so I think that's for me why it, it just, it's not, I just don't think he needed it. Yeah, no, listen, WWE did that when he came in after the one night stand deal is they didn't license Enter Sandman because Metallica wanted an insane amount of money for it. And they gave him literally a generic rock track. And while obviously it didn't do what Enter Sandman did in ECW, it did, you know, it did get, he had a good little run there until he decided I was done. So uh, that's what, uh, you know, that's what we think. Those are our lists here on uh, the show. What do you think? What's your list? Why don't you let us know on our socials? So we are on Facebook at ringside rewind we are on twitter at ringside rewind we are also on tiktok at ringside rewind and uh going back to twitter you can check us out i am at cd lawrence and he is at snaggle j well we want to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode where we talked about themes uh themes. Th that's right thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast on your podcast app of choice on Android or iOS, or if you're listening at ringsidrewind.com, we greatly appreciate it. Um, we will be back next time with some hard-hitting, top-tier wrestling podcast action. But until then, be kind and rewind. It's beautiful. It's like a mixture of Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> 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 <laughs>